My name is Billy Gifford. If you're, if you're new here, you don't know me. I'm the executive pastor here on staff. Um, yeah, it's fun to be here. I, you know, uh, Jason mentioned it before, but the women's retreat was this past weekend, and I heard it was amazing. I heard it was so fun. Uh, so well done to the team, Ashley put, pulling it off. Um, I was with a buddy of mine, Clark. We were just hanging out with our kids, and we were just talking about it, and we both came to the conclusion, you know, that you know, we're with all our kids, uh, that we should never do this again. <laughs> it's like, why, why did we take all the moms away? Like, that was a bad idea. Um, <clears throat> no, it was great. I'm a little tired, but that has nothing to do with it. So, But we're glad. Our, our, I'm actually surprised to see a lot of people here because I was like, surely the dads will be wiped. The, the women are, be, are tired from the weekend, and it's just kind of a low-key Sunday. But here we are. So way to go for being here. It's May, which means it's the end of the year, and I know that many of you guys are starting to count down the weeks, okay? Uh, I know I am. Uh, <clears throat> and so, um, but another thing that Jason mentioned was the Monument of Praise. Who was that Monument of Praise on last Tuesday? Man, that was an incredible night. It was so special. It was, you know, and again, just to revisit why we even had this live album recording, but it had nothing to do with a live album recording. It had all to do with we wanted to set in stone and remember what God had done and who he had revealed himself to be to us, to this local church uh, this past year. And we did that in song and worship and and spoken word and dance and prayer. And it was so fun. It was such a beauty to behold. And I'm like, you know, Josh, our media guy, I'm like, is that going to be ready like tomorrow? Because I'm ready to see that. But uh, don't hold your breath. It's probably going to be months. But um, but again, the heart was to, to look back and reflect on, on what God had done and who God was. And collectively, you know, we, we can do that to some degree to collectively as a church. But I was just thinking about that myself uh, coming up to this Sunday of, and just reflecting on the past year or so. And something that kept coming to my mind was just how the Lord had grown my family and just me as being, being a father. And so today we're going to talk about that, God being our father. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a father of three little ones. And I think it's, I don't think it's a shock. I, uh, uh, I think I've shared this before from the stage that my, my son, Liam, he's just over two years old, has some health issues and he's like on a journey and he's getting better. But currently he has a feeding tube um, because he just has a hard time eating right now. And if it weren't for the feeding tube and weren't for us taking care of him, he would not eat. And so you can bet your life that I'm, as his father, I'm going to figure out how to work that thing and make food go into his stomach. You can bet your life on it. And so I will do all the extra work I need to figure it out to make sure he gets nourishment. Because if, if not, he doesn't eat. He skips a meal. And so what I want us to see is that as good as parents as we think we are or can be, God is better. Like how much more is the phrase that kept standing out in my mind. That if we can care for our little ones, we kind of understand that. How much more can God care for us? He knows all of my needs. I know what Liam needs. I know exactly how to set the machine to run it. I know exactly how to work it. And in fact, if I didn't, he wouldn't get his needs met. And I only share that to say, let's let's take that up a notch to God. He knows where we're at and he knows how to meet our needs. And so we're just gonna look at God being our father this morning and then Jesus being our shepherd. We're gonna look at those two because they're kind of parallel the way the the scriptures describe, describe that. And then in doing so, my hope uh, is that we, the, the takeaway I hope from this morning is that we would just be able to take heart. That I'm not, I'm not here to challenge you this morning to be a better Christian. 
My hope is very simply that we get to see collectively just a bigger picture of who God is as our father and as our shepherd. And from there, I'm sure that in the moment of despair, we'll be encouraged. I'm sure of it. So we can look at our father and see how good he can care for us. Okay, so some of us are probably familiar with the passages in Scripture in the Gospels where Jesus compares um, our parenting to his. Um, and it, it's in Matthew chapter 7. I'll read it. He says this in verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? How much more? Okay, so the context of this, he's talking about prayer. And in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, he even adds a specific prayer, thing, and that was the Holy Spirit. He says, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit? And so if you and I being good, or well, thinking we're good, but actually we're actually very faulty, we're very imperfect, we actually don't know what we're doing, but yet even on that plane, we still know how to give, how to give good gifts to our children. We know how to give them the, the right thing at the right time, when they need it, when it's right. How much more can God? How much more? If we can keep our children safe, how much more can God keep us safe? If we can provide for our kids' needs, how much more can God provide our needs? He can handle any situation. He can handle anything. You can go to God with any problem. He's not going to say, wow, that's a tough one. He's not, he won't do that. Any problem, and, and, and specifically any problem you get yourself into, which is likely. It's usually the problems we find ourselves in are, are of our own doing. And the world says, hey, you got yourself into that mess, you can get yourself out. But a good father says, you got yourself in that mess, I will get you out. That's what a good father does. And, you know, I was a boy once. Not a boy now, hopefully. But when I was a boy, I got myself into many messes. Many. It was pretty standard that I would get myself into some sort of pickle. Um, there's one in particular that I'll share just because it's funny and goofy. But um, I was young, and I, I found a bead. And it was just about the size of my nostril. You know what I'm talking about? Right? And so it just felt right to just like, you know, I wonder, I just fit, you know, and then I could blow it out. No big deal. And do it again. That was kind of cool. Right? Until it turns and it's like when you try to blow it out and it didn't go out. And so I'm a little boy panicking because I just put a beat up my nose because I thought it was cool, which it was at the time. Okay. Um, then I try to get it out and I end up just pushing it deeper. So I'm like, great. Here's a mess. My dad got me out of it, okay? <laughs> it, my dad wasn't going to let me just sit there and try to figure it out. It was my dad who came to my rescue. He didn't say, wow, you got yourself in that mess, figure it out. He said, wow, that was pretty dumb, but let me help you out. <clears throat> let me help you out. Uh, so I just reflecting on this past Sunday, baptism Sunday, I was thinking about, man, the testimonies were just incredible. But just to see the different situations, there were so many scenarios where people were in some situation, they needed a father to get them out, to lead them out. You know, one of the first testimonies shared was from Joe, old lady. She was like driving to another church <clears throat> off of Highway 30 and somehow drove into this parking lot. Not like into it, like parked, she, you know, safe. You know, it's just incredible, just the need. Like the Lord knew she needed a family. She didn't need a good message. She needed a people to be beside her. And she found that here. And however, uh, all these different testimonies, if you, try to, if you were here last Sunday, think back about, on it. Uh, however, whatever situation they were in, 
God knew exactly what they needed to get them to the cross of Christ, where they would find freedom. And I just think that's beautiful. Whatever it was, whether it was doubt, whether it was anxiety or fear or addiction, depression, he's a good father. He knows exactly how to get us out of any situation. And I know that, you know, many are still in that process. Uh, we haven't arrived, you know, at the, at the end of that, was it late? Yeah, last Sunday, at the end of that Sunday, we had a time of prayer. You know, Brady had a word about just, we need to pray for someone. Just think of someone in your mind right now who is not saved, who needs a heavenly father. And we all probably thought of at least one person. And I was thinking about that, and I was just amazed at the fact that we thought of one person, but God thought of them all. He thought of all of them. And he longs to be their father. He doesn't want any orphans. He is seeking the lost, that he might bring them into his fold, that he might make them his children. And so just thinking about the testimonies just really made me reflect on he really can meet our needs. You might think there's a situation that's like too far. It's just not true. He can get us out of anything and he can lead us into a good place with him. Okay, so I'm going to read a scripture. There's a, <clears throat> a familiar passage in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, that just displays how God cares for us even further. So Matthew chapter 6, you can <clears throat> turn there with me, verse 25, or it'll be on the screen. Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and your, he your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor do they spin Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. <clears throat> okay, so many of us have probably heard that, and it doesn't actually take like a master's in theology to really get what Jesus is saying. He spoke to the simple, and if you're simple-minded like me, you just read that, and you see, oh, he's just telling me that he's going to take care of me, and then the question just comes to me, what I just read, do I really believe that? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do I believe that he can care for the birds and the flowers? He can, his pets and his garden. What about his kids? You think he'll care for his kids? Of course he will. He'll take care of us. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he, Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says, pray like this. Pray, our Father who art in heaven. So just stopping right there, he already makes this huge claim about God. That he's our Father. That he loves us. That he's near. He's not some distant deity just controlling the cosmos, but he's near. But he is in heaven. So he did create the universe and he has all power and all control. That's who I'm praying to. And I, 
I try to look at my life like this. If someone could, at the end of my life, kind of open the curtains and see everything from my life, they could look into my life, they look into my financial dealings, my private life, my thought life, my attitude towards people, towards my enemies, towards women, anything and everything. If they could just see it all, I would want them to be able to say at the end of my life, having seen it, I would hope that they would say, wow, there's no explanation for this man's life other than he must have had a heavenly father who cared for him. It's the only thing that makes sense. It'd be like if you saw a kid on the street who was well-dressed, well-fed, and well-educated. Compared to, let's say you saw another kid on the street who was in rags, skinny to the bone, and illiterate. You would know instantly which one had a father, right? You wouldn't have, you, you wouldn't have to question it. You're like, okay, that one has a dad. That one, unfortunately, does not. And we need to apply this to our lives. We need to think about how does that apply to my life? You know, and I'm not talking about our, the impressions that we give. We know how to give good impressions. Impressions are just like 10% of our life. The devil knows who out there is just living for the impression we give. We can give the impression at church, especially at church, I'd say, that we are righteous and holy and full of peace. But if we're just living for that impression, we end up becoming just hypocrites. And the Lord said, don't live for the opinions of men. Live for the opinion of God. The Bible says you can't actually be a, a servant of Christ if you seek to please men. And so it, if we know God is our father, people should and would be able to tell, just like you'd be able to tell which kid on the street had a father. And it's not by our clothing, obviously, or by our finances or anything external. That's not what I'm talking about. But it is by our in, in, inner life, by the life of peace, by the, the freedom from fear, the freedom from depression, the freedom from anxiety, the freedom from sin. Those are the rags that the children of God don't wear. I would not let my daughter wear rags if she were to go to school because I care for her. I want her to be well-dressed and well-fed. Again, just to go back to it, how much more God? My hope really is this morning, you just walk away with one simple message and that is God's good. He's gonna take care of me. I hope to just be encouraging this morning. And so it's, it, for me, at least, I found that to say that God is my father is one thing, and especially in church and in Christi Christian life, saying God is my father is kind of expected. It's, it's a little easier to say, but the true test for me, at least, if God is my father is, do I get anxious about anything? Am I anxious about my life? Am I, am I worried about tomorrow? You know, my daughter's not worried about tomorrow. Why? It's out of her hands. She trusts me to take care of her. And I do. How much more does our Heavenly Father? Well, let's look at how we care for Jesus. There's an amazing verse, and I hope to, I just want to camp here for a minute. There's an amazing verse in the book of John that uh, I would say is probably one of the more difficult verses to believe. Um, and it's one that I think our faith expands in as we grow and mature. It's in John chapter 17, verse 22. <clears throat> Jesus is uh, praying to the Father. This is one of the things he says near the end of it. He says, the glory which you have given me, in verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved 
me. So the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Did you catch that? So God loves us just like he loves Jesus. Have you ever heard that before? Can you believe that? This is incredible. This is why it's hard to believe. You're like, I can believe that God the Father loved Jesus the Son. That's easy to believe. And in fact, I would argue that no one on the planet would argue that God the Father did not love Jesus the Son. Regardless of your religion or whatever, I just think no one's going to dare to claim that God the Father didn't love Jesus. No one's going to dare to claim that. Why? Well, because of the life Jesus lived because of the peace he carried, because of the, the joy he always had, because of his humility of spirit, because, his, because of his freedom from sin, because of his life. You know, he was always at peace. He could sleep in a manger. He could sleep in a, in a storm. The father led him. The father protected him. The father fed him. The father cared for him. There were times that people even tried to kill Jesus, multiple times before the cross, and they just couldn't do it. You know why? Because it wasn't his time. According to the father, it wasn't time. In Luke chapter four, uh, you know, Jesus uh, just kind of finished inaugurating his own ministry. He reads from the scroll of Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Um, And then at the end of it, he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I want to pick it up from there. In Luke chapter four, 28. It says this, and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the the brow of the hill of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Okay, just going to commit murder. But passing through them, he went his way. Right. I've read that probably many times and didn't think about it. And then I thought about it. I was like, wait, hold on. An entire crowd dragged him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off, and he just went his way. What does that mean? How did you just like, excuse me, like, he wasn't, was it like one of those smoke bombs? He just disappears? I'm like, how did he slip away? That makes no sense. But it does make sense when you say, oh, wait, he's got a father who's protecting him and loving him, and it's not time for him to die. So it's not possible for him to die. It's not possible. Jesus didn't live in luxury. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, there were times he went without food, without sleep. He lived most of his life as a simple, humble carpenter. Most of his life, he was just providing for his family. Somewhere along the way, I'm sure he he lost his, his earthly father. He got used to being insulted. He got very used to being rejected. And he didn't even live a long life. He died at a very young age, 33 and a half, a brutal death, in fact. But by the way he lived his life, those short years, it is still without a shadow of a doubt that he had a father in heaven who loved him. Whether he was well-fed or not, whether he was rejected or not, it is very clear that he was loved by the father because he was unshakable in his peace, in his joy. And so there's no situation that could cause Jesus to lose his peace. And what we see in the scriptures is that if God loves Jesus, if he loves us the same way that he loves Jesus, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean? God loves me the way he loves Jesus. That means God will provide for my needs the way he provided for Jesus. 
that God will protect me the way he protected Jesus, that God will lead me the same way he led Jesus. I really believe this. You know, I mean, again, in reflecting over this past year, uh, one thing that came to my mind was just the car crash I got into uh, at the end of Thanksgiving. And, you know, a serious one. I-45 going like 70 miles an hour, like the whole family. My wife was seven months pregnant at the time. And we walked away without a scratch. And it didn't need to be that way. It probably shouldn't have been that way. But then this comes to my mind. It's like, yeah, well, it's not my time. So I can still be at peace. I don't have to be traumatized. I can be at peace. When it's time, then it's time, and I'll be fine with that. But until then, I know that I have a Heavenly Father who guides my every step, who's with me all the time. And the way he protected Jesus and led Jesus, he does the same for me. And this is who our God is. He's our Father. He is our Father. And knowing him as Father gives me so much peace and encouragement when a trial comes, when, when despair is tempting me. But not only that, I want to talk about how he's been a shepherd too. Because the Father's who he is, but the shepherd he says in John chapter 10, the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And in what he did by laying down his life for me speaks volumes of how much he cares for me. In John chapter 10, verse 14, it says this, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. And so not only does God uh, care for me in that he created me as God and is my father, but now he cares for me. Now I see he cares for me in that he laid down his life for me to purchase me from sin, to rescue me and call me his own. It's another monumental claim over my life that he is my father and he is my shepherd, that he is simply the one who made me and he's also the one that paid for me. He laid his life down for me that I might be one of his flock. You know, it's, I don't think it's a secret that, you know, when people <clears throat> work hard and save up money with just some sweat and then they buy something, they treat that thing with a little more care than if it were just given to them freely, right? That's just a fact of life. Growing up, I did not treat things with care. Again, boy, messy, beads up the nose. I didn't care. So sorry to my parents, but I, you know, the couch... I would ruin it, the car, the plates, whatever it was. I didn't buy it. I don't know. Isn't it for my enjoyment? Like, isn't the purpose of it for me to bounce on and throw? Um, but obviously, as an adult now, having to buy many of these own, my own things, I'm like, let's leave that couch alone. Uh, actually, let's not even sit on that couch. Let's just look at it, um, kids. Even the guests, I'm like, let's sit in the other room. This couch is, I paid for that one. Let's just... Give us some time before we ruin it, okay? But you learn to care about the things that you purchase because you put the work in, you put the energy in, you put the sweat in. And so what I see is that the one who created everything, my father, he created the universe. You know, in Colossians, it says, for by him, all things were created on earth and in heaven, visible and invisible. He created the entire universe, each galaxy, every star, I mean, we, we measure stars in light years, like the distance, because any other measuring unit would not suffice, obviously, to get the vastness of the universe. It wouldn't work. Even our sun, I learned this, uh, which is actually a rather small star compared to many in the universe, 
could hold one million earths within it. And that makes you feel a little small and a little insignificant, right? At least for me. The more I think about that, I mean, yesterday I was driving home from Lowe's. <laughs> uh, had to get a light bulb. But uh, I saw in the clouds, I don't know if y'all saw it, it just looked beautiful. It was just painted. It looked gorgeous. And I was like, I am so small. <laughs> I'm, I'm so insignificant. It's, it's not even funny. <laughs> but the amazing fact remains that Christ, the creator of such an enormous, ever-expanding universe, has chosen to call himself my shepherd, and he invites me to consider myself as his sheep. That blows my mind. He created everything, yet he sets his affection on me just because he chose to deliberately set his affection on me. And I belong to him. I belong to him because of that, and I belong to him because he did lay his life down for me. And so he has every right. He is entitled to say, I am the good shepherd, and I do lay my life down for my sheep. These are my sheep. He has ownership over us. And one of the first attributes of a good shepherd is that he provides for us. Again, parallels with God the Father. Looking at the, the shepherd psalm, Psalm 23, y'all remember how it starts? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. <clears throat> I shall not want. The first thing he says when he says shepherd is like, I'm in no lack. I've got all that I need. I've got everything I need. There are sheep out there who belong to a terrible owner. They belong to a bad master, you could say. But the, the, the grass is brown. They're scraping off the grass. There's hardly any water. There's, they're never groomed. There's ticks and parasites all the time. They're vulnerable to predators. They're just not watched. But the owner doesn't care because they're just sheep fit for the slaughter. They're just food one day and clothing. And I can just imagine uh, some of these poor sheep looking across the plains and seeing this other pasture over here where there's green grass, where there's an oasis of water, where there's protection, and just longing to cross the fence, but they can't. And to me, when I think about that, I see the poor master, that bad owner, as a precise picture of sin and Satan. And they don't care, they couldn't care less for the needs of the sheep. We can drink muddy water for all they care. And those sheep, to me, it, I, I think of just, it, it's a picture for me of just all these poor people in the world who have never known what it is to belong to a good shepherd. All they've known is brown grass and muddy water and fear that a cougar is going to get them at any time. And sin is a terrible master. I think we can agree to that. Anyone who's lived in sin would, would agree. Terrible master. It promises satisfaction and then deceives you and gives you pain and sorrow. That is it. That is your existence on that farm. Pain and sorrow. But Jesus, our good shepherd, has purchased us back from that old taskmaster of sin. He's purchased us. He's laid his life down for us to get us off of that old decrepit farm where there's no nutrients and brought us into his fold where it's green and there's water and there's protection. And now I can lie down and rest. Before that, I was on edge as a sheep, just looking over my back. If there's one spot of green, I'm running to get there before the others do. If there's any water, I'm fighting over it. But now in my shepherd's care, it's like, oh, I can rest. I can finally lie down and rest. Now what it says next, he makes me lie down in green pasture. He gives us rest. 
I'm not, I, okay, I don't own any sheep, by the way. If, if you thought I'm speaking from experience, I'm not. I don't have sheep. I do have kids. So there's a little parallel there, I'm sure. Um, but my kids do require a few things before they're able to rest. Before they can go down to sleep at night, they require a few things. And if they don't get these things, they don't sleep. Number one, they need to be free from hunger. Okay, so I give them dinner. Number two, they need to be free from conflict. If they're fighting and bickering, they're going to have a hard time settling down to go to sleep. And so as their dad, I step in right here, break it up. All right. And number three, though, and most importantly, they need to be freed from fear. They need to be freed from fear. And nothing quite, uh, nothing reassures my children like having me in the room with them when they're scared. Nothing does. I mean, second best is like you turn on a light, a little nightlight, uh, teddy bear, leave a door open. We tried all these last night, actually, so I'm a little tired. Speaking from this, I am speaking from experience. Um, but nothing does it like having the presence of their father in the room. Yeah, I was up, up late. And so, but even in that moment, you know, like it doesn't matter if the room is dark at that point. It doesn't matter if there's a thunderstorm like there was last night. It doesn't matter if there's a monster in the closet. When dad is in the room, everything's fine. And they can't explain it. I can't explain it. No one can explain it other than it's the presence of my father who's with me. So there is nothing to fear. And in the Christian life, there is no substitute for the keen awareness that Christ, our shepherd, is nearby that he's got his rod and his staff ready to fend off the predators, that he's ready to lead us to green pasture and and still waters. Nothing beats knowing that he's with us. We need to know that because life is uncertain. I just got a a text this morning for a friend of mine who's at Antioch Waco actually uh, passed away. Just, it was like, whoa, that was uncertain. There are dangers and distresses and and all sorts of things that are going to come our way, either today or tomorrow. We don't know. Life is uncertain. And it's usually in the face of the unknown and the unexpected that we, like, anxiety starts to rise. Usually it's the unknown. And I know there are many college seniors that are graduating pretty soon, in like a few weeks, I think. I don't know when you graduate, but, and others. But y'all are moving on pretty soon. And it's exciting. You know, I don't want to downplay it. It's very exciting. But there are times, if we're honest, there's a little bit of the unknown, which causes a little bit of like uncertainty and a little bit of fear and a little bit of anxiety. And our first impulse is to run away from that. But when we are aware that Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, is with us, things don't actually look so bad. You know, if I were to take my kids to... I don't know, a new, a new house they've never been to, friend's house. And if I, if I were to say, good luck, they're not going inside because <laughs> they don't know what's in there. They're, they're afraid. But if I walk with them, they're inside. No problem at all. The presence of our shepherd, the presence of our father changes everything. In Psalm 4, verse 8, the psalmist writes this, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, Make me dwell in safety. Man, so when I think of Jesus, my shepherd, I know that I'm going to be fed. I know that I'm going to be protected. I know that he's going to bring unity with the people around me if I let him. I know that he will give me rest. 
and I won't fear because he's with me. His rod and staff comfort me. I know it. And therefore, I can take heart today. And looking ahead, I can take heart. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. I don't know what the future is. I don't need to know because I know my dad is with me. I take heart in that. You know, a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter weekend and during Passover, uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples about a few things, about the coming Holy Spirit, his death and resurrection, about oneness with the Father. But he kind of ends this, this uh, dialogue with the disciples by saying, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So there it is, again, just said a different way. The key to that peace is in Christ. Being in him, being with him, knowing that he's with us. He did promise trials and trouble, tribulations. There will be trouble. Thus says the Lord, there will be trouble in your life. You will have trials. And that's why we don't look at the externals, by the way. But he's with us. He's our father. He's our shepherd. And he lays down his life for the sheep. This past week, I was with a life group, my life group, Family Zone. We were having a guys' night. Sometimes you just need to get away and just get with the guys. Um, and we were just spending some time sharing updates about each other's lives. And it was incredible to, to hear that. Um, I don't know if it was a unique group, but it was like each, basically everyone in that group who shared had some very big problem, like mountain of a trial in front of them. Like something that's not small, that is out of our control to where we're like, man, we actually, there's nothing we can do to change the scenarios in each one of our lives. But here we are together. Let's pray. We got to pray and just encourage one another. And, and we just pray for an increase of faith. And when you say increase of faith, I, I usually ask the question, faith, faith in what? Like faith, like what is faith in this scenario? What does that mean? But faith that he's our father. Increased faith that he's going to take care of us. There are big things that I, if I dwell on too long, I'm going to be sad. Uh, but I, it's okay when I hold that in light of my heavenly father who's with me. And we'll be able to just comfort one another. In 2 Corinthians 1, uh, it says this in verse 3. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Comfort seems to stand out. But com when you're comfortable, it means you're not in danger. You're not in need. You're, 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 you're not in any discomfort. You, you're fine. You don't, you don't have need. And just thinking about, you know, after that life group, I was like, man, we actually can't know the Holy Spirit as comforter unless we are in an uncomfortable situation, one that is actually out of our control. If it's slightly in our control, we're just too human and too tempted to think we can fix it. And in the face of these things that are like, there is there's nothing we can do, literally. Then it's Holy Spirit, be our comforter, be our strength. And comfort, I mean, that's all it is. That's what it means, with strength, comfort, that root word fort with bravery, with strength. And so when, when you comfort some, someone, you are imparting strength to them. And when God comforts us, he makes us strong to stand under the weight of whatever trial or mountain is in front of us until it moves. 
He makes us strong. So praise God for that. And if we mess it up, which is very, very likely to happen, meaning we know he's our father, but nevertheless, I got anxious. I got scared. I freaked out and panicked, and now I'm in a depression, or I just lost faith. When we're overcome with fear, just again, remember, he's our father. He's good. Many people have this idea that uh, when a child of God falls or uh, comes short or uh, has lost their way or doesn't know what to do, is messed up in that sense, that God is all of a sudden like annoyed or something, or he's, he's uh, fed up with you, or he's even furious with you. And I just want to say that is a lie. That's just not true. There's a verse in Lamentations 3 that says, his mercies are new every morning. You failed. You doubted God. You, had, you were anxious. You freaked out big time. Well, guess what? His mercies are new today. That means it's as if he's never shown you mercy before. Yes, I wake up, Lord, I'm so sorry. I panicked. It's him saying, hey, that's all right. For 30 years, you never did anything wrong. This is my first time showing you mercy. I have mercy for you today. It just takes us believing it, right? Peter had to fail. He denied the Lord three times before he could be ready for Pentecost. Abraham, same thing. He had to fail. He produced an Ishmael before an Isaac. Jacob, same thing. Had to get his hip broken before he could become Israel. Moses, he lost his way. Killed a guy. That's bad. Ran away for 40 years before he could become the deliverer for Israel out of Egypt. And as we walk this Christian journey, I know, I know that we're so tempted to be discouraged either with the progress where we're at or just the situation in front of us. We're so tempted to be discouraged, especially when we're, we know the right things. We just don't do it. We know that he's our father. We're in church. We hear it over and over again, but I'm still freaking out. And we... I, Imagine your, um, your three-year-old, let's say, comes to you and writes you a note, happy birthday, dad. And it's just wrong. It's the H is upside down. There's one P. There's an E in there for some reason. And number four, you're like, what? Happy birthday. Okay. Are you going to correct your child? No. You would have to actually be insane. But you, if I saw someone do that, I would like, wow, he needs counseling. You would be, what would you do? You would say, that is beautiful. Thank you, sweetheart. I'm gonna put it on the fridge. I'm so encouraged. Did they mess it up? Yes, they messed it up. Are you gonna correct them right there? No, but when it's time, sure I will. When, when she's mature, when she's old. The Lord know. I mean, if we can do that with our kids, let's not insult God by thinking he can't do that with us. He knows where we are. I know my daughter's three and a half. She can only do so much. When she's 13, when she's 20, it's gonna be different. I'll talk to her differently. I'll expect different things. But he's our, he's our father. He's not here to condemn us for not believing in him all the time. For losing faith in a moment when it was scary. The lights were out and there was a thunderstorm. In fact, it says in John chapter 3, verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He is not here to condemn you for your failures, your, your past life, your sins. He's here to actually pull you out of it, to rescue you. His, his word to you isn't like, there you go again. His word to you is, come up higher. When you hear the voice, a voice that says, come up higher, you've heard the voice of God. It's come up higher. Let me get you out of that. He's not here to condemn you. You may not overcome a certain sin for many years, but he doesn't condemn you. 
He encourages you. He encourages you to find that path to victory. He encourages you to keep going like a good father would. And he's here to rescue you from the power of sin. Not to stare at you for like sinning and be angry at you. He hates sin. He's angry with sin. But he knows we're on a journey. We're his children. And he's a good father. He's a good shepherd. If one of his sheep gets tangled up in a bush, he's not, he doesn't go over there and hit it. He sets it free and says, come back to the fold. That is a good shepherd. And he's a good father. Band, y'all can come on up. So as we just end today, again, like I said, I hope the message is clear that we just know him as our father and our shepherd. And I would encourage us again to just think about it. We kind of did this in worship, but just to step back and think, how can I be thankful? When I look back, you know, you know, monument of praise, we got to look back. And I would encourage everyone just as we end, just to look back and say, and see where God was your father and your shepherd. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. I guess the one challenge I do want to leave you with, I know I didn't say I was going to challenge you, but really it's just to believe this. Sometimes uh, the hardest things to believe are the, the most easy things that, that make sense to us. But it's hard to believe because we experience things. And we're like, well, my experience is telling me this, or my feelings are telling me this. And so it's hard to believe that when I say God is a good father, we read that he's a good shepherd, that he's going to protect us. My challenge to you is this. Believe that he's good. He is good. You know, I, I <clears throat> spent some time trying to explain it, but sometimes you just have to encounter him, yes. his presence. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> my wife got back from <clears throat> the women's retreat and, you know, we, uh, she was with our three-month-old Emery. <clears throat> And it made me think of, uh, there's a verse in John also, I was reading through John, obviously. Uh, but Jesus says, talking to a good shepherd, he says, my sheep follow him, the good shepherd, because they know his voice. But a stranger, they simply won't follow because they don't recognize his voice. And there are times when my daughter, who's three months old, Emery, she's in the arms of a person, not, not even a stranger, but it's not mom or dad. She's crying. She's freaking out. <clears throat> and then I take her and the moment she's here, calm. She can't explain that. There's no theology to really get behind that other than she knows that her father's near. And so all the unknown, and there's a lot of unknown for her. She's three months old. She doesn't know anything. Somehow, deep in her heart, she knows that's my dad. Everything's fine. It's okay. So let's go ahead and stand. Can I get some life group leaders to come forward just as our prayer team? We'd like to end, we try to end each service just providing space for for you, for the Holy Spirit to move on you and just to receive prayer. And I I think, you know, the book of Acts says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And I think as we mature (coughs) in life, we get ourselves into knots, like our lives become knotty and, and, it like, and then we get mature, more older and, and the knots get tighter and they just get more tangled. And I, I just believe the Lord wants to untie those knots today. And it, and it happens in, this, in, in us knowing <clears throat> that he's our father. And so if you need prayer for anything, and I, and I would encourage you, if, if you have that slightest prick in your heart where the Lord is saying, go get prayer, do it.
because he wants you just to experience him. Like, whatever your prayer need is, whatever the request is, come up here and receive prayer. And I, and I believe the Lord is going to allow you to experience his presence as, as father and as a good shepherd. So I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've not left us as, as orphans, but you bought us. You purchased us by your blood. You redeemed us from the pit of darkness. You set us free. And you have claimed you have ownership over our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that if, you're, if anyone is just feeling stirred, Lord, I pray that you would move on their hearts to take one more step in faith, believing that you are a good father, believing that you are a good shepherd, believing that regardless of what the future holds, you are with them, that your rod and staff comfort them. So Lord, we turn to you right now. We look to you, we gaze upon you, and we just sit in your presence. And we say, Father, thank you for your nearness. Thank you that no matter what life brings, you will be with me. You promised. <clears throat> and you don't break your promises. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.